Good morning. Isn't that an encouragement, that proverb? <laughs> you got trials and troubles and difficulties and you start sweating about left, right, forward, back. No, just rest. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. What a comfort. And I know the the religious unconverted man thinks you're crazy <laughs> for resting in that because he wants to know. But we distrust. We distrust. Um, now, I was sitting there. I was thinking about how nothing man does is original, is it? No, nothing. It all starts with the Word of God. And uh, our Lord did commend the the children of this generation as being wiser than the children of light. And uh, I know you all from time to time watch, uh, you know, YouTube. You've seen the YouTube, right? And there's always that guy at the end, you know, hit like, subscribe, help me out so we can uh, improve the algorithm, right? Well, long before they ever said that, uh, what do we read in God's word? There's uh, Nathaniel running to, uh, rather, no, Philip. Philip running to Nathaniel saying, we have found him, the one who Moses and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, he can't contain himself, but uh, what is what is uh, what do you see uh, Nathaniel doing? <laughs> he wants to debate, wants to get to, into an argument, and he just says, "Come and see, come and see." I pray the Lord would put that on our hearts, wherever we are, you know, in our communities or our families, and just uh, sometimes we just think, "What's the point?" But don't don't do that, beloved. Just say, "Come and see, come and see." Uh, you know, the, our uh, our pastor is preaching. Uh, Somebody who can save anybody. You know, he's just a sinner like you are. <laughs> he isn't going to be a preaching a message of stop doing that and then start doing that. He's preaching the glorious gospel of D-O-N-E, done, done. Now, as uh, some of you will remember, uh, last Sunday we were just looking at uh, the letters of the alphabet. And we started with A, and we're looking at the glorious uh, attributes of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. And, and you might think, well, what would possess you, Joseph, to want to preach every Sunday from A to Z on Christ and Him crucified? How come? Because, beloved, He's the Alpha and Omega of our salvation. He's the A to Z of everything to do with our, our being saved. Um, you weren't here last Sunday, I don't believe, for or were you? Yeah. Well, just to think about the letter A for a bit, just a little bit of a review. What comes to mind? Think of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, and think of the letter A. What comes to mind? Yeah, we, we looked at Almighty. That's right. That was one of them. And we looked at seven of them. Now, we're not going to go review all seven of them. To, this morning, we're going to talk about the letter B. And uh, if memory serves, and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but I trust it will bless you and comfort you as we consider our, our great Almighty God, Jesus Christ. Letter B. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind, beloved, is is how the, the Lord Jesus Christ is God's uh, well-pleasing beloved son. This is my son in whom I'm well-pleased. Hear ye him. He's the beloved son of God. In Matthew chapter 3, and actually two times in Matthew, this is recorded for us. First time it appears in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He is the beloved 
Son of God, the beloved Son of God. What a contrast. What a contrast, Allison. When you read about what we're about, <laughs> left to ourselves, it ain't pretty. Now, I could turn to many scriptures. I could turn to Genesis 6-5. I could turn to Jeremiah 17-9. Oh, let's look at one we haven't looked at in a while. Psalm 14. What an what a accurate, sad, sorry picture of you and me by nature. It says there, the fool has said in his heart, and it says, the italics there says, there is no God. And that's true. The fool does say there is no God. But right there, you can leave off, there is. It's, it's this nature that says, because by nature we're children of wrath, we hold the fist high to the heavens and we say, no, God. And unless God does not only something for us on the cross of Calvary, but in time, ever so blessedly in us, we'll keep on raising a fist in wrath saying, no, God. It says there, they are corrupt, not beloved. The only beloved is the Son of God, and in Him, beloved, united to Him, made one vitally one with Him, we are beloved through the doing and dying of Christ. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You know, this morning I was listening to uh, a radio station. Sometimes uh, I'll listen to local stations, sometimes from some, from some, some other place. And uh, this lady was talking about uh, multiculturalism and the richness of the fabric of their culture. And the only thing I could think about when she said fabric, yeah, filthy rags. <laughs> filthy rags. That's all it is. All our righteousnesses. Allison, if you could pick your best work, your very best work, if, if I could give you that power, you don't have that power, but if you had that power to just pick your best work and put that before the Lord God Almighty as a basis of your acceptance, he'd say, away with it. It's a filthy rag. It's, it's a stench in my sight. And we know that, beloved. He's taught us that. How that we need not uh, just one thing from the Lord. We need, we need double, don't we? <laughs> uh, all, a complete pardon and the perfection he established on the earth on behalf of his people, perfect righteousness, a perfect holiness, not this pretended righteousness and pretended holiness that the unconverted trust in. Now, in Matthew, continuing, we're just looking at beloved. It's repeated in Matthew chapter 17, and it says there in verse... Um, five... Remember, they were contemplating making a tabernacle, uh, a tent for the Lord and Moses and Elias, it says there. And then verse 5, why he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And uh, we're reminded of that in Colossians again in chapter 1, verse 18 how that he is the head of the church and that he is to have the preeminence. No one else. To Christ alone be the glory. So that's beloved. Can you think of another B word that, that begins uh, another letter B? How about, uh, <laughs> how about blessed? He's our blessed Savior. In uh, Isaiah chapter 
53, it says there in verse 11, speaking of the, the, the propitiatory sacrifice of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, his sin atoning sacrifice, it says, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for, she, for he shall bear their iniquities. He's satisfied. He's blessed. He's blessed. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, again, speaking about the, the blessedness of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, it says there in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, this blessed joy, he and and this 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 joy is his people, beloved. It's his, it's 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 and it's all of his people. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the same the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then in Hebrews chapter two, again speaking about this blessed accomplishment, this blessed salvation that he wrought on behalf of all of his people. It says there in in Hebrews chapter two and uh, verse. 13, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. The reason why we have a blessed Savior is because he will save. He shall save all of his people. Not one of them will perish. Not one. Can we think of another word, B? <laughs> How about uh, the only begotten Son of God? He's the begotten. Look what it says in in uh, John uh, chapter 3, verse 16. And and this is also tied, again, with him being blessed. If you look at verse 29, it says there, and this is another title of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the, the, the bridegroom. He is the bridegroom. Uh, and, and that's tied to John 3.16. He didn't just give his life a ransom to make salvation a possibility for everyone. And now it's up to you to do something to make what he did on the cross to work or not. That's not it. This giving of the Son of God is for the bridegroom, his elect, his chosen people. And it, it speaks about that in verse 29. But here in John chapter 3, verse 16, speaking about the begotten Son, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. How come? How come, Allison? that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He is 100% God, and he is 100% man. He is the begotten. And when you think about begotten, it reminds us of that portion in, in Hebrews. Hebrews, I believe, uh, chapter 10. What a glorious passage that is. It says there, I'll begin in verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that they worship that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifice, sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. And then again, this word begotten, 
we see in verse 5. He is the begotten Son of God. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, when the Lord Jesus Christ cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. That's speaking about the, the body that was, that was formed in, in the womb of Mary. That angel came from the very throne room, from the very throne of the, of the grace of God, and said to Joseph, Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then in verse 10, the begotten Son of God being spoken of here. It says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And in verse 14, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now just briefly, just to recap what we've looked at, uh, we've looked at the Lord Jesus Christ being uh, beloved. We've looked at the Lord Jesus Christ being the bridegroom. We've looked at the Lord Jesus Christ being begotten, and uh, not only begotten, but that he is uh, the, 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 the body that was prepared in the womb of the virgin. This is the God-man, Jesus Christ. Now, can you think about any other bees? Letter bees. <laughs> oh, that is exactly right, brother. As ex Look what it says in Psalm 110. In Psalm 110, it says there in verse 3, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power in the beauties of holiness. How precious is that? Being vitally joined, made one with the Son of God. Um, we're without spot, beloved. We're without blemish. We are undefiled through the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, washed throughly and completely by his blood and made the very righteousness of God in Christ. But that is, that is beautiful, isn't it? The beauties of holiness. Everything he is, we have been powerfully, mysteriously made through the, through, the, through the gospel. I don't understand how that works, but it's so. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, how our Heavenly Father made, just to sit there for a while and uh, you know, be ashamed about it, <laughs> God's sinless Son, who did no sin, thought no sin, said no sin, was made to be our sins that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. <laughs> That's why the believer is, is free. Uh, there is no demand the law can place upon us. The law demands payment for sin. It's been paid. The law demands perfection. <laughs> and it's been performed completely to the uttermost. How good is that? How wonderful is that? That's why Paul, and we looked at this last Sunday, that's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, I could just quote it, but I'd like you to look with me. We need to uh, look at these verses. Galatians chapter 5, it says there in verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty the freedom wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You want to know what the yoke of bondage is? It's when you start navel gazing and you start thinking, well, I need to stop doing this and I need to start doing that to curry God's favor. It's, it's when somebody's on a plane who's an unbeliever and they say, God, 
you know, they negotiate with God as though they had anything to negotiate with. We have nothing to negotiate with God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the full and complete reconciliation for the believer. So we're not going, if you keep me safely off this plane, <laughs> I promise I'll do this or I promise I'll do that. That's not it, beloved. That's called idolatry. If there's something that comforts you or me in our lives, you know, we read our Bible or, you know, we did a devotion or whatever. If, if, if there's anything at all that comforts us that's beyond the scope of his blood and his righteousness, mark it down. It's idolatry. The comfort that we have is what we read in Isaiah. Just a quick digression to that precious verse there in Isaiah chapter 40. And I was uh, talking to uh, one of the ministers the Lord has um, sent in this time state to his church. And uh, we were talking about old top lady. Top lady, I think. It's no top lady. And uh, there's two renditions of top lady's stanza. And uh, we both agreed. The first one that came out in 1808 that says, let the water and the blood be the double cure. <laughs> Save from wrath and make me pure. That speaks much more to me than the other one does. It's funny how even back then in the 19th century, you got people trying to change the offense of the gospel. He is saving us with from wrath. How, how to do that? By the blood and make us pure through that, that, that righteousness that he wrought on the earth on behalf of his people. Isaiah 40. Chapter 1, or rather, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Even the, in the beginning verse is talking about the, the, the double that we received of the Lord's uh, hand. It doesn't just say comfort ye one time. <laughs> you know, every uh, first Sunday of the month, we remember the blood. What a comfort to remember the blood. It cleanses us of all our sins. And then the Lord, um, he instituted that supper and he commands us to remember not only the blood, but the body. How come? Because it was in that body. He performed for us what we could never do ourselves. And that is please the, the holy demands of God's law on behalf of us. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. Speak to the elect of God. Don't speak to her heart or her head. Speak to her heart. Speak comfortably to her and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. And Allison, when warfare is accomplished, you know the result of that? Peace. Perfect peace. Tell her her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So if we just look briefly at the beloved Son of God, the, the blessed Son of God, the begotten Son of God, uh, the Son of God who is the bridegroom. And a bridegroom doesn't have just... Uh, he, he has a particular lady. <laughs> and that's his church. That's his church, his people. And we're just looking at... A brother said beauties. That was good. How are we up to right now so far? Let me see. Uh, I got a couple more. Oh, I know. <laughs> he's a branch. But he's not just any branch. He's a righteous branch. Like what it says in Jeremiah... Chapter 23, Jeremiah chapter 23, it says there in verse 5, 
Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, beloved. And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness, a righteous branch. Just think of it, branch. What else does that make us think of? Well, <laughs> reminds me that without him, I can do nothing. In John's Gospel, chapter 10, you turn there with me, rather, John chapter 15, it says there in uh, verse, well, I'll begin reading in verse 1, the, the righteous branch, the branch, the Lord Jesus Christ, he says here, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. And that vine is the righteous branch, the Lord Jesus Christ. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And underscore this, underline this in your heart, beloved. For without me you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not some things. Absolutely nothing, Allison. And the last one. Um, this one, don't think too hard now. What would be another last B? We've gone through six. What's the last one you can think of? I like beauties. I want you to stay there all day. <laughs> oh, that's good. I never thought of that one. Brother, yeah. Yeah, he's our brother. Uh, what, what comes to mind when he says brother, I think about the importance of the gospel being the word of truth. The, God will not bless something that's a lie or a half-truth. It must be the word of truth. And in James, the gospel of James, it says there in chapter one, if I'm not mistaken. And if somebody gets religion, people think, oh, that's great. He's got religion. Well, no, it's not great. If it's the religion of truth, if it's the truth as it is in Jesus, well, that's one thing. <laughs> but if it's this religion, man, I'd rather have somebody go to a local bar every weekend than go to some place. I'd have more hope for them than somebody who's deluded into thinking that they're listening to the gospel of Christ when it's a false gospel. How many people do we know like that? They're going somewhere and there's no, there's no, uh, there's no truth there. But to our brother's point, uh, brother, that's very good. It says in James 1, verse 18, of his own will, of God's own perfect and holy will, begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. That's what comes to my mind. Uh, any other B? Now, don't think too hard. How about think the John, John's gospel? What did the Lord say of himself? Anything come, come to mind? I'm not record. I'm not. I'm not broadcasting this. So, <laughs> I'm recording it, but I'm not broadcasting it. How about this one? You're going to go. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> he is the bread of life. <laughs> he is the bread of life. Look what it says in John's gospel. How many times has the Lord blessed me when I'm with uh, the men or, uh, you know, I was be with my pastor and, and I, I, 
I would say, hey, where's that? He says, uh, well, look it up yourself. <laughs> or if I forgot it, you know, that, that moment of humility, the Lord would, uh, would bless me to never forget it. <laughs> John chapter 6, look what it says in verse 35. Verse 35, our Lord and God, Jesus Christ says, I am the bread of life. <laughs> the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Look what it says in verse 48. Again, he repeats it. I am the bread of life. Verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Well, that's uh, just a brief study of these wonderful titles and attributes of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, that began with the letter B. Uh, Gary, I plan to go all the way to Z. We'll see how Z goes. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, uh, let's conclude there. Um, and uh, remember, uh, just park on one of those titles. Just think about beauties and think about how beautiful he is as a father. Think about how beautiful he is as a husband to his, to his wife. Think about how beautiful he is as not only just like a father to his children. Um, think about him as how wonderfully beautiful he is as a brother to his brethren. And just, just meditate on him. He's so beautiful. Think about how everything he did was perfect in God's sight. Now, we, we desire to be like him. And Paul said, I have, I've not attained it, but that's our desire to be like him. And one blessed day, we shall be like him. Because although we can't see it right now, that's, 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 that's a fact. We're united to him. And as he is in this, as we are in, as he is right now, so are we in this world. Now, Matt, I can't, <laughs> I can't explain that, but that's the comfort. You know, you and I both know there are men younger than I that have, you know, perished doing doing hard hard work, doing a job, driving a family, whatever. And I'll tell you the experience of the believer. A believer will die well. A believer will die well all the time. How come? Just what it says right there in in First John chapter four. So the, the the believer's death is a good death. It's it's the expected end. Where's that verse again in Jeremiah, Tyler? Expected end, do you remember? Is, is it Jeremiah 31, 3? Well, I'm going to read to you. While he's looking that up, I'll, I'll, I'll read to you. 1 John chapter 4. How wonderful is that? It says there in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made per perfect, that we may have boldness, confidence, no fear in the day of judgment. And it tells us exactly why. Why is that, Allison? It says, because as he is, so are we in this world. I mean, just take that in. That's, that's such a comfort. To know when the Father's looking at you or me who believe, <laughs> He's looking at His Son in all His perfection. And uh, what about the sorry mess we are today? What about the sorry mess we were yesterday or last week? What do I tell you? Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12 says, 
I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Did you forget about it already? <laughs> Hebrews ten seventeen, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. No more. Amen.